You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Cavs podcast, your daily look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, today's show is all about late first round draft picks. Uh, myself and Trevor Maganotti are going to talk about who the Cavs could take at number 26, the value of a pick late in the first round in that specific area. Um, as always, again, I'm Chris Manning from FreeTheSword.com. Trevor, of course, is the Free the Sword and the Step Back Draft guru um, in Cavs news right now the only other addition we have from yesterday's show is that Alex Jensen the Utah Jazz assistant has uh, been identified as a candidate he's going to interview with the Cavs next week that is first reported um, by Joe Varden and Tony Jones of The Athletic um, there's a piece that Varden wrote about the Cavs coaching search that I will link to in the show notes that gives you some insight into what's going on, but it's a lot of what I talked about on yesterday's podcast. So Alex Jensen fits that mold, um, has connections to the Cavs, was the G League, or then the D League coach of the year, works for the Jazz, is also an assistant on the German national team. So on player development a guru as well, really credited with his work with Rudy Gobert, who is, of course, one of the very best centers in the NBA. Um, we'll see what comes next in the coaching search. I think there's still some more names that could be put out there, but Jensen is a really interesting one, and I am, I'd be curious to see what kind of look he would get. Uh, but here, without further ado, is Trevor and I talking about the late first round. Again, find him on Twitter at Illegal Screens. I'm on Twitter at CWMRights on Facebook there as well. I'll be back on Monday looking at some of the different positional groups that the Cavs are going to have to address this offseason before we get a full week of shows for you next week. But thanks for listening and talk to you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy what could be um, an interesting NFL draft weekend in baseball and whatever else you have going on. Cheers. Welcome back to this week's Draft Friday with Trevor Magnotti. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Illegal Screens. You can find him in the Fear the Sword podcast feed hosting the excellent Thick Jack Frames podcast. And one of the guys he recently talked about on there is someone we'll talk about today. We'll get to that guy in a little bit. Um, he's talked about a couple of those guys in the feed, actually. But Trevor, what's going on? Not much. Excited to uh, talk about kind of the options for the 26. We're locked into the 26 pick, yes. I believe. So- correct? Yeah, so that that people, in case you missed the news a couple weeks back, the tiebreakers happened. The Cavs ended up um, with the 26 overall pick coming from Houston. It's a bit uh, later in the draft than it might have been if the Rockets didn't, you know, finish the season really strong. Their late season struggles kind of helped the Cavs a little bit there, obviously, from it falling any further. But um, it is a later first round pick for this Cavs team. Um, Trevor, before we get into some of the names we're going to get through, is this a what do you think about picking number 26 in this particular draft? Is that is that an okay spot to be in? 
I think it is. I, I have likened this draft to 2013, um, both in terms of there really not being a lot of top end talent, which is really a bit of an issue. Um, and also it is one of those drafts where I think the second, third, fourth best players in this draft, at least one of them is probably going to come from this range. Um, we mentioned last or we mentioned last week talking about um, Rudy Gobert was probably the fourth best guy in that 2013 draft, um, third, third, fourth, and he went in the late 20s. Um, you got Giannis is the best guy there. He went 15th. I think we're going to see something similar with the with this draft because a lot of the guys who look like they're going to fit into traditional NBA roles and be able to bring a lot of impact in ways that help good teams win games are upperclassmen. Um, so the freshman class is has been talked about to death. Um, is is really not strong. Um, does not have a lot of depth. But there are a lot of quality upperclassmen. Um, and how the NBA values kind of how their development trajectory should be managed compared to some of these kind of more, I guess, raw potential guys that are fresh. Um, could end up leading us to a situation where we are getting maybe a top seven, eight, nine player in the draft when it's all said and done out of the Rockets pick. So I will say this, looking at the 2013 NBA draft, some of the guys that were picked in that range that are rotation guys now, or at least have been rotation guys before, um, and that's sort of, I think, what you're hoping you get. You know, Alex Abrinas was 32 in that draft. You know, he was with Oklahoma City before. Some personal matters seem to have taken him away from the league. Gobert, 27, as you mentioned. Uh, Roberson was at 26, obviously a very, very good defender. Um, Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr., Solomon Hill, Gorgi Dang are some of the guys in there. Shout out to Sergei Karasev as well, uh, being a, a pick at number 19 in this draft. And old yeah, being Trevor. picked before all of those guys. Yeah, which is hilarious. And shout out to the Cavs for for picking my guy, Sergei, who, um, is, who is 20, still only 25 years old. There is still hope for my dude who is now playing for uh, Zenit St. Petersburg um, in Russia. So shout out to Sergei, who wore number 10, the Wally Serbiak number, funny enough. Okay. Trevor, uh, we're going to run through a variety of guys. We have not gone over a necessarily a list of guys that we're going to talk about, but I'm going to let you pick a guy first that you should say, this is a guy at 26-ish that you should have on your radar. Um, well, I guess the best spot to start would be somebody that I talked about a couple weeks ago on Thick Jack Frames and is the guy at 26 on my current uh, draft board, and that is Ignis Brazdikis of Michigan. Um, with the way in, I... Heritage, I I think is is the correct term, um, but Canadian national citizen, um, freshman at Michigan this year, um, really impressed me in terms of his kind of IQ and feel for the game this year. Um, he was a guy that came in immediately and handled what is a very complex system at Michigan. It is not something that freshmen do very well with. Um, kind of executing and even older guys i'm going to just interrupt you for a second um one of the if uh to to because i have to because it's what i do uh jaron simmons was maybe one of the best players ohio university has had in the past several years one of the best five six guys he's a very good was a very good point guard in the mac he goes to michigan as a grad transfer the expectation when he's going to start and one of the reasons he just never settled in there and didn't work out there and, and really killed any momentum he had coming out of ou was that he just never could quite figure out that system. 
Um, and it's, yep. a, it's a huge, huge reason. It's a huge thing because you're right. That Michigan system is complicated. And, and even for a guy like Duran, who having covered him, having talked to him a bunch, um, I knew, had a really sharp basketball mind. It, it's a complicated thing. And Brazdikas came out right away and came into that system and was immediately executing on both ends some of the more complex things that that his uh, John Baylang's wings get asked to do. So that seems important. That seems good. Um, We've seen a lot of Michigan wings come out in the last few years and be able to kind of stick it on the on the fringes um, of, of staying in the league. And part of that is because a lot of these guys can think the game at a, at a high level because of the NBA style system that they run there on both ends. Um, so I like Brasdikas, even though he's kind of like a complete non-athlete at the NBA level. Um, he is very reminiscent of a lot of the kind of like typical like Euro wing three, four type where um, they really aren't like great vertical athletes, but are kind of decently laterally quick and just have a ton of craft stuff and really see the game in a high level. Um, the guy I compared him to on the podcast um, from Europe was Mindagas Kuzminskis, kind of the same guy, like absolute try hard um, guy who just could think the game at a, at a higher level um, and kind of was able to compensate for a lack of athleticism that way. Um, so I really like, like him and as like a just kind of like a plug-in bench wing um who could be a little bit of a scorer be a little bit of a team defender um and and just be a part of a rotation um for for a few years that's kind of what i think he is going to ultimately end up becoming i like him as well because number one watching him play he just has like a swagger to him that i just find intoxicating Mm-hmm. Like the dude just, just like is very confident. He's got like um, a little bit of a brashness. He's like not like cocky, but he's just like a dude that like is confident in what he's doing and is like very aware that he like that he can make plays and is just having fun with it. And I like a guy like that. Um, I like a guy that has like the little bit of sauce. He would be the first one and done guy um, in the John Bal- John Balen era at Michigan, which I think is interesting. Just a little footnote for him. Has good three-point shooting numbers coming out of college. Um, has overall, I think, pretty good numbers uh, You know that indicate that he can be um, a good NBA player. If he's 6'7", 215-ish, a 6'9", wingspan, according to the latest measurements, um, the, in, in 37 games at Michigan, shot uh, 39% from three, shot 77% from the line, and about 30 minutes a game, um, was an honorable mention for, for, for the All-America team for the AP, Good, good thing for him um, as a rookie. But what, Trevor? What is he as a pro? If he's not hyper athletic, if he's not, um, if he's going to be a, a, as you said, kind of a try hard guy, and he's, you know, got a, but he's six seven two fifteen. What is his like positional sort of role in your mind in the NBA? Well, I think he's kind of like a. He's a guy who is going to come off the bench, um, be like a weeder as a scorer. Or, um, for like second units, um, a guy that you would run off of a lot of like pin down screens um, and kind of off ball actions to free him up coming downhill towards the rim um, because he's got a lot of, of craft and is kind of deceptive with his ability to just kind of like explode past guys in tight spaces. Um, he does like he ex- accelerates really well which is very weird for the rest of his athletic profile but makes it work um so like i i think he's that type of guy you're gonna have him defend threes and fours um and kind of be like an off-ball free safety type um and uh 
yeah, he's just he's just kind of filling in as like just a rotation wing that you can kind of plug and play in certain matchups. So, is he as a player? Is he a, depending on what the Cavs do at the top of the draft? Is he a better fit with a if they let's say like let's say they draft R.J. Barrett or the draft Jared Culver? Is he a better fit when you think about developing a, a young wing rotation of let's say next year going with Osman Nawaba? Um, RJ Barrett and or and Iggy or is it or is he a better fit with Culver Osman and Nawab? Like is he a better fit with one of the guys they might draft near the top of the draft? Um, I don't think it necessarily matters. I think that you can you can probably pick either of them because you're kind of just betting on him being like a guy that kind of complements as an as an off ball player complements that that score. I I think that he fits maybe slightly better next to RJ just because I think that he is going to be more of kind of like that full-time three whereas Barrett is probably going to play the two a majority of the time at the NBA level um but I I really don't think it matters um because I think you're just kind of you're just kind of picking Brasdikas kind of hoping that he becomes a guy for you um not necessarily like really considering fit with him because he's gonna be like a bench wing like it's it's the most like it's the most versatile position kind of by design in the modern NBA. So I, I really don't see a ton of like, I don't really see it mattering too much. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Um, let's move on to another guy. It's a guy you just talked about on thick Jack frames. It's a guy that I have fallen in love with. Um, that's Mitzi Steibel from Washington. So he's, he's a senior, he's a four year senior. Um, so I don't want to say plug and play, but I just said it. So whatever. Um, it's six, six, seven foot wingspan, He's a three and D. If if his shot works out, he's a three and D guy. Um, defensively, Trevor Kirkman wrong, but in with Washington, they played a zone. He basically was like playing free safety because like he could just do that, and he was just so absurdly good in that end. Um, when I look at the Cavs and I look at their roster and having like watched some film on Jetty after his second NBA season, his first real one, and and thinking about what their needs are going to be. Particularly, like if they take RJ and you know some of the defensive woes he could have, I'm just really enamored with a guy that could come in, be like your lockdown best defender, and has just a profile that like even if the shot doesn't work out, he could be like something like an Andre Roberson, and that's like an interesting player in the modern NBA. It's an interesting thing in a playoff series, but the Cavs just like need you to can defend, and I am just fascinated by by Thibel. I don't know if he's available at 26. Um, you know, I, I don't quite know what his value is going to be. He, I've seen him anywhere from like 21 to 28. So it seems like he might be there, but if he's there, I think I would immediately run up that card. I'm just like what his skill set seems like it might be just really, really interesting. Where is he in your board and, and what, what is your take on him? So I have him currently right around at 21. Um, and I don't think that he's going to be there for the Cavs. I would be surprised if he is. Um, one of the things that leads me to believe that is he wasn't at the Portsmouth Invitational this weekend. Um, and basically any fringe first round four year senior was there. Um, so I think he's betting on he's probably going to be gone before kind of like the second round. Um, and well, and I, I'm just I, looking I at the draft order. Like there are teams that like couldn't use him in, in a way that um, just seems like very likely. Like you look at like Philly at 24, um, you know, OKC at 21, Jazz at 23. Like there are situations where he would just seem to make like a lot of sense for a good, for a team like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
yeah, he was one of my favorite players to watch this year because he like there are guys who get labeled in college like zone busters because they're like really good at kind of like coming into the center of the zone and kind of picking it apart. They can shoot from mid range. They can put the ball in the deck. They can pass. Um, Matisse Thibel was a zone offense buster because he did not let you get the ball into the middle of the zone. He destroyed the weak part of the zone because he was always there blocking shots from behind, um, picking off passes um, and, and kind of digging down and just disrupting everything. He made that two, three zone watchable. And if you have followed me at all and heard me talk about Syracuse at all, you know that I am a, two three zone hater um so that is not faint praise or that is not faint praise for me um he's a guy that i think could transition into being a three and d guy but you kind of have to think of it like the twitter meme with the jack rabbit and then the small rabbit next to him and the the small rabbit is the three and the jack rabbit is the d um that that's kind of what his role is going to be he is so good on defense and is just so obviously going to be an NBA defender uh, based on statistical uh, indicators, based on what you see on film, um, based on his size measurements and his athleticism. Everything points to him being a plus defender at the NBA level. It's just going to be, does his offense let him get on the floor to be able to show it? Um, is he just like, is he Cinderius Thornwell or is he Danny Green is the question with Thibel and Cavs would take Cinderius Thornwell right now um, to be a part of their wing rotation. So I'm pretty excited about the idea of getting Thibault and just having a guy that can lock up anybody at the point of attack at the next level. To be honest with you, as I think about like the like a draft that would like hit hit the check marks of my personal biases of prospects, um, (laughs) it would probably be a Culver Thibault combo. Yep, that's my that's mine as well. Like Like, I I would. Like I have combinations that I think would be kind of at that level, but that is that is my number one right yeah, now. I think those, those two guys like, would be phenomenal. Like if you, if you fast forward in time and like or people like think about this and listen to that, then um, if that were to happen, I'd just be like A pluses. Like <laughs> we're we're good here. Uh, just check all, literally every box that I like. Okay, Trevor, who's another guy that we should keep an eye on um, late in that first round at twenty six ish? A guy that I think is like if Thibel is one of my favorite players in the in the draft class we obviously we know if you're following me that kobe white is one of my guys as well um the third one of that i would say is like one of my guys is terrence davis of ole miss um he was one of my favorite players to watch this year just his ability to create on ball as as a kind of like a complimentary wing type for the nba so like a solid off movement shooter um who could dribble a little bit who could make good passing decisions um and just get into the lane and explode up and finish um he just plays a really aesthetically pleasing style of basketball for me as as a as like a two three combo um really good on ball defender uh sucks as an off ball defender right now but there's hope that he can he can develop at that level um I, I think that he's kind of in that wing tier as well of guys that I would really like to bet on because I think that he's got enough skills to be a productive player um, at, at the NBA level and be a rotation wing. Where is he on your board? Um, and, and is he a guy that like 
do you think like he can't like the is the off ball stuff something you're particularly concerned about with him as a in terms of a prospect? He's the guy that um, if if people um, he's a senior from Ole Miss. If you maybe have seen a highlight of his, it's probably the dunk that got him got them you know into the tournament. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I have him twenty eighth. Um, so kind of right and in the same tier as Brasdikas. Um, and I think, I think that he, while he really isn't, is a negative off ball at the college level. Um, I think that there is room to grow. I mean, off ball defense is one of the most difficult things to project long-term because it's one of those things that you can get better at. And there really aren't good indicators outside of you being good at it at the college level on who's going to be good at it as a pro. Um, so I think, I think that he's a guy that I would bet on, um, even though that's probably going to be a weakness for him at the NBA level. Let's go now to some rapid fire, um, through a couple other prospects. Let's start with a guy that, um, I've seen, you know, in the twenties on some luck drafts coming off a good, uh, a good tournament performance is Ty Jerome, the six-five guard from Virginia. Is he someone that should be on the radar at twenty-six? Yeah, I think so. I think that he's a guy that could play as a complimentary guy to Colin Sexton. Um, really smart player on both ends of the floor. Um, really, really good off-movement shooter, um, which, which is a valuable NBA skill. Um, if you if you can defend the point of attack and you can shoot off movement, you you're an NBA player. Um, so that's kind of why people are high on Ty Jerome. I'm definitely not at the level of having him in like the 20s that I've I've seen from a few people after the tournament um but I think that he's a guy that you could justify taking at the Cavs pick um my one negative for him is is that he for a guy that played nominal point guard for Virginia he cannot dribble at all um he is a he is a very very poor um guy in terms of putting the ball on the deck um so that's a little bit concerning but I think that he could play next to Colin Sexton and um, he's he's a worthwhile development prospect, um, kind of in that regard. Next one up is a guy. I'm gonna. I'm, I needed to get a European guy, a Euroleague guy in here um, to to say to kind of cater to your niches. Um, and that's Yovel Zuzman, who is a hey, that's a great name. He's a small forward for Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel. Um, what's up with Zuzman? Give me the lowdown. Yes, yeah, so he's a, he's a guy that I I'm really high on, having seen um, quite a few of his games in Euro League this year. Um, I'm not as high as uh, my Euro, my kind of Euro fanatic colleague, Ricky Skrika. Um, but I, I think that he's definitely a first round prospect. Um, really, really solid defender and, and has like some deceptive athleticism, like really good t- quick twitch guy, really good hustle guy that um, defends on the perimeter really well, can protect the rim a little bit. Um, he, he's an, he's an exciting player. I, I think, that he he's athletic enough that I could see him being kind of like a slasher defender type um, where he's kind of like attacking the rim and transition um, and kind of creating off of spot of opportunities, driving towards the, uh, the lane and then defensively providing really good team defense. Um, just, just a guy that I think is tailor made to kind of develop in, into a quality NBA player because of his background in Europe because of his athletic profile. Uh, j- just a guy that I think if he does get a chance to come over and if he gets on a team that is willing to kind of keep tabs on him and let him develop, um, is going to probably be a rotation level guy when it uh, when it comes time at, at the NBA level. 
I just also love the name Zuzman. Like, I'm really, I would buy a jersey that says Zuzman. I don't, like, buy any NBA gear now, but, like, Zuzman is, like, a must-cop. Yes. Be incredible. Um, Okay, another guy, real quick. He's 36 on your board. Um, He's in your draft Twitter, darlings. I'm not totally sold on tier. That's Taylor Horton Tucker from Iowa State. He's got a seven-foot wingspan. Um, that's in itself really intriguing. So what about him is, makes him not someone you're particularly sold on? So he's a guy that gets a lot of hype because he can do a little bit of some very complex stuff. Um, he can handle at a, at a pretty decent level, um, is obviously a very strong finisher. Um, when, when you have a seven foot wingspan and are is just built as he is in the upper body, you're going to be a good finisher at the college level. Um, and he hints at kind of some like legitimate stopper defensive traits. The problems are he is a very poor pull-up shooter and doesn't even have really range to mid range at at this point. And if you're betting on him as like a dribbler creator type, um, that's obviously bad. Um, and I also just don't think that he really understands basketball at a high enough level yet. He's a guy who kind of came into basketball and high level basketball late in the process. And I think could really benefit actually from going back to school and just getting another year under his belt. Well, see if he actually does come back but i think he's going to get enough hype that he's going to stay in this class i'm a little bit worried about his potential nba prospects which is why i have him that low but i really don't think he matters too much for the Cavs because he's a six four guy with a seven foot wingspan and he's going to be the orlando magic's first round pick <laughs> yeah john hammond is like like definitely like this dude is like above zion on his board yeah, you, you you can you can read that pretty easily. Um, <laughs> that, like that's going to be a guy that they're targeting in the yeah, draft. Yeah, number process. sixteen overall. Um, just like put it in your mock now. Um, Trevor, I'm going to ask one other guy here. He's he, there's other wings. We'll talk about some more of these guys later on um, as we kind of get through this. But one guy that is I know you're very high on that is now number sixteen on your board. Your most recent one that was I, th- I believe like in your top five six early on, and it's because of injuries. Is Jonte Porter, the center from Missouri, the brother of Michael Porter? Um, you know, not great that like these two brothers are both just like maybe already defined by injuries that they, they've suffered before they've even played in the NBA. But is there a chance Porter you think is actually available at twenty six? And how fast are you? And if you're the Cavs, I guess are you like taking Porter if he falls that far? Well, I think it depends on who the first pick is. Like, are, like, do you have the capital? Like, if they're picking like fifth or sixth, there's absolutely no way that they can justify taking Porter. Um, but I, I think if they get in a situation where like you know they're taking Zion or they're taking RJ and Porter's available there, like yeah, sure, like take take a shot on getting him to the Cleveland Clinic and getting him in a rehab program that is going to kind of take the Harry Giles approach and we're going to rebuild your quad muscle from nothing, which is what it is right now. Um, Because you don't tear your ACL again if you have adequate quad strength. Um, So like the family history with all of his sisters having um, ACL issues is definitely problematic and that's why I dropped him. But like if he is healthy at all, he is the best big in this class. Like outside of Zion, I don't really consider him a big. He's just kind of a, a machine. Um, so like, I, I like Jante is the best big prospect in this class. 
guys. If he was healthy, he would probably be in the conversation for the top five. Um, as it stands right now, I have no idea where he's going to get drafted, but I think that if he's available to, and like the 24, 25, 26 range, you got to pull the trigger. Like I cannot in good faith justify having him lower than where Harry Giles went on my board because if Giles can come back and show signs of life after what he had, which was worse than what John, what John Tay has gone through, even with tearing his ACL twice, Giles has had issues with both ACLs and has had multiple surgeries on at least one knee. Um, so like I can't in good faith put him below that. Um, and I think that there is going to be some intrepid team that recognizes his talent and his very natural fit to the game as a modern NBA center and pulls the trigger on him late in the first round. And if they can get him healthy, it gets a steal out of that. He, he could be the guy that is like the go bear, like drafted 26, 27th ends up becoming one of the best players in the trap because he got healthy and could stay healthy. He's like going to laugh when the Spurs take him at like 19 or like, or he, he gets on a team like, like the Suns and, and they have like, a good like the good medical staff still although it doesn't have the same reputation that it did but like just just getting him somewhere that's willing to try like the cutting edge stuff like the timberwolves would be a great fit for him um because they've got the mayo clinic that they could stick on him and then they just kind of develop him into the new gorgie jang um would be would be amazing yeah that'd be great um i'm I'm here for the first nba draft where like agent leaks about guys i wanted to play in certain places is about like hospital care yeah, I'm, I'm very here for that. 20, 2019, what a world. Um, okay, Trevor, before we get out of here, is there like a guy that, that you, you know, we that's maybe projected a bit higher that you could see falling that would be like an immediate um, for you? Like if that guy falled for, fell, falls for whatever, you just you just pick the guy regardless of, of any other concerns you might have about him as a proctor. There, is there someone or, or two guys that you think would fall in that class at 26 that if they slip that far, you just take them and, and worry about the rest later? Uh, this is a difficult question to answer because of just how difficult the evaluations are going to be and, and how far some of these guys who really struggled early in the year are, are going to end up falling. Um, the obvious answer here is Nasir Little, um, who I could see, you know, falling that far because he was ob- objectively awful this year. But also I could see going in the top five. Um, Cam Reddish, same way. I could totally see him falling into the back half of the first round. Could also see him going in the top five. Um, so I guess like my answer would probably be like my answer would probably be Seku Demboya, um, who we talked about a few weeks ago, the power forward from France. Um, he's a guy that I think is probably a lottery level talent, um, but may end up falling, missed a huge chunk of the year with a thumb sprain um, and really has kind of floated in and out of relevance for them this year. Um, but I think does have NBA level skills, definitely has an NBA level body and NBA pedigree. Um, he's a guy that I would maybe potentially take it with like 26 because he should be going before that. And I would, maybe just pull the trigger on him if he's available. If you don't really like any of the other options there, you have a guy who's falling. I, th- I think that he is the guy that I would definitely, you know, lean towards. Um, as a bonus here, I can give you the guy that may slip down that I would, at, that I would absolutely not draft, um, even though he's rated much higher and is projected much higher. Um, if Kelvin Johnson's available at 26, just let him keep on sliding. 
<laughs> because he is like he he might be the hardest player to evaluate because I I have no idea what he's good at and I've watched a lot of Kentucky this year. Um, he he just doesn't really do much of anything. <laughs> on the floor um, doesn't really impact the game in either way. And while he's got prototypical wing size and he's got skills, like I, I don't know what he's good at. And that's a dangerous, uh, dangerous guy to hang your hat on. Um, so he is a guy that I would probably say, like if he's there, even though he probably should have gone, like should have gone via mock drafts, like 10 picks ago. Absolutely not. Just let him keep on going. Don't let him be your mistake. Yeah, uh, that that sounds about right, frankly. Uh, but you can find Trevor on Twitter at Illegal Screens. You can find his podcast, the Thick Jack Frames podcast, in the Fear the Sword podcast feed. And we'll be talking with him a bunch as we gear up for the draft. Trevor, are you are you ready for the for draft season to to like fully fully kick open now? Yeah, I, I'm definitely here. Um, I'm really excited for kind of seeing how the general boards kind of start to match up with um, the way that the draft scouts that you've been paying attention to kind of rank players. I think that there is a lot of disparity between those two and like a level that I have not seen in the last few years. Um, So that's really interesting. It's going to be interesting to see once we get to the combine, if we start to see some of these names that are really inconsistent and guys are just out on um, in terms of scouts like really start to drop in this class in favor of your Brandon Clark's, your Grant Williams is um, your Matisse Thibels. Yeah, It's going to be a fascinating thing, but Trevor will be here throughout all of it. Check him out at the step pack through the sword, the thick Jack Frames podcast. Trevor, as always, thanks so much. Mm-hmm.